everyone, welcome to Decarbonize, the clean energy podcast from Fresh Energy. Fresh Energy is a Minnesota nonprofit working to speed Minnesota's transition to a clean energy economy. My name is Joe Olson and I do communications here at Fresh Energy. I'm here today with my colleague, Ben Rabe, Director of Built Environment. Hello, Ben. Hello. I think for many people listening, this is probably their first time hearing your voice. They've probably read some of your blogs on our website, but could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, my background is in public policy and environmental sustainability. Um, I have a master's degree in public policy from the Fletcher School at Tufts University, focusing on sustainability and economic development. Before uh, coming to Fresh Energy, I led a small energy efficiency program housed in the Minnesota Chamber. Much of my work at Fresh Energy surrounds the code adoption process as well as preservation of the energy code at the legislature. Well, perfect. Thank you, Ben. I'm ready to dive in if you are. Sounds great. Uh, Ben and the energy efficiency team work on cutting waste in our energy system by improving our communities with super efficient, resilient homes and commercial buildings. So we're here today to talk a little bit about a Minnesota step code. So it was formerly known as Advanced Building Performance Standards, and it's had a few other names, I think, along the way too. Um, But first, I'm hoping, Ben, that we can set the stage and get all of us listening on the same page about what step code is. And then a little later in the conversation, we're going to bring in Kevin Bright, uh, the Energy and Sustainability Director from Destination Medical Center's Economic Development Agency. We're just going to call it DMC (laughs) from here on. Uh, Kevin's been involved in this process, and on behalf of DMC in Rochester, they support the Minnesota Step Code. He's going to talk a little bit about what it would mean for them and why it helps them to further Rochester's climate action plan as a whole. Uh, But first, Step Code 101. (laughs) Ben, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, I know the building sector is one of the largest greenhouse gas emitters in our state. Um, Can you explain to us where these emissions come from uh, in the process for constructing a commercial building? Yeah, so buildings account for about 40% of our state's um, greenhouse gas emissions, and about half of that comes from commercial buildings. It's also the fastest growing uh, area that we see for uh, carbon emissions, and that has to do with um, other areas getting more efficient. Um, These emissions come from primarily heating and cooling as well as the lighting of our buildings. To a lesser extent, it includes things like plug loads from TVs, computers, etc. But those um, also are getting quite a bit more efficient. Uh, So I guess, could you help me to understand uh, what building is a commercial building here in Minnesota? Yeah, so the International Code Council defines a commercial structure as a building that is four stories or greater, which includes larger multifamily buildings, which is a big piece of the puzzle we're trying to get at as well. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Minnesota's new commercial energy code coming into effect this year is only about 15% more efficient than our previous code. Here at Fresh Energy, we think Minnesota can do better, actually much better. We've worked for over two years and only made marginal changes in the energy code. But this year, we are pushing for a more ambitious approach to adopt our commercial energy code, and we're calling it the Minnesota Step Code. So what is the step code and what would having it included in the overall commercial building code do for cutting carbon in Minnesota? 
it'd make a pretty large difference. So we currently adopt our code on a six-year cycle, and the last time we adopted our code was in 2015. And we're in the process of updating it now. The new commercial energy code will come into effect this spring. So this step code uh, makes a couple key changes. Um, one, so instead of changing our building code adoption cycle on a six-year scale, we'd move that up to a three-year cycle, which is how often the international codes are updated. Previously, we've adopted every other with about a two to three-year delay. Additionally, it would tie these new energy codes to targets um, based on certain energy savings. So they would have a certain energy usage or energy usage index that are based on a certain scale with a baseline of a 1989 building, hmm. which is arbitrary, but if the trend's towards zero, that's, that's really what we're looking for. So this would lead us to um, net zero buildings by uh, 2036. And um, we're also allowing um, cities in the legislation to adopt uh, the cycle one, three-year cycle in advance. Therefore, these buildings would reach net zero by 2033. Just to make sure I completely understand, right now in Minnesota, a city cannot require that a commercial building be designed and constructed to standards higher than Minnesota's current code. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so Minnesota has what is often referred to as a mid-max code. Local jurisdictions can only adopt the single statewide building code, which is there to create consistency throughout the state. One exception for that is when public money is involved. In uh, 2007, we passed what's called the Sustainable Buildings 2030 program or the SB 2030 requirements. And that is a stricter energy standard that is included for buildings that receive state bonding money. The most obvious example of that would be U.S. Bank Stadium. Mm -hmm. um, as a result of that, cities like St. Paul and St. Louis Park have adopted similar standards for buildings receiving other forms of public, uh, more local money. So a lot of buildings in St. Paul have also meet that standard too. Again, when that carrot's involved, there's the opportunity to hold buildings to a higher standard beyond the baseline code. Got it. Okay. So can you talk a little bit about other states who have already adopted a code like this? Has it worked out for them? How has it worked? Uh, what can you tell us? Yeah. So um, Massachusetts was the early adoption of what they call a stretch code, which has been around for over, over 10 years. It was adopted in 2009. It started out as a prescriptive standard with um, just a marginally higher uh, standards than their existing code. Now they're moving to more performance space where trade-offs can be made between different energy standards and is currently uh, revising their tracks. So um, as we're proposing in Minnesota, it would have a net zero target by a certain year. New York City also recently adopted a stretch code that is meant to meet carbon zero standards by 2030 and cutting building energy usage by 23%. And our code going outside the United States into Canada, this bill is most closely related to a bill that's just being kind of brought out that was passed in 2017 in British Columbia, where steps are created along the way 
for different municipalities to adopt. The difference between the British Columbia Code versus what we um, have uh, proposed here in Minnesota is that cities are allowed to jump further down the scale and what we're adopting in Minnesota is just one step, one step ahead what the baseline code would be. That said, this is a pretty useful model in that the training and design practice gets built moving along the line. Overall, these other programs have found much success. Folks in the trades, jobs industry, design communities are happy as it kind of leads to more work, more interesting construction techniques, etc. So last legislative session, we were working on a similar policy that didn't really get anywhere. Uh, But between last session and this session, the policy went through a really intensive stakeholder feedback process. Uh, What was the outcome of that process and how did it influence and will it influence our success uh, at the legislature this year? Yeah. So um, last year, our policy passed through the House and did not pass through the Senate. And this year, we hope to move it a little bit further. So in the meantime, there are two major processes that took place. One was a series of three meetings were convened with a group of leadership cities, including Minneapolis, St. Paul, St. Louis Park, Rochester, Edina, and Bloomington that were convened by Center for Energy, Environment, and Fresh Energy with three workshops focused on building our coalition of of cities around the state. Um, More than 20 cities attended, representing more than a million Minnesotans. Concurrently, the Department of Commerce, as well as the Department of Labor and Industry, can, are in the process um, just finishing up a five-meeting stakeholder uh, meeting with a group of stakeholders, including building trades, multifamily housing, multifamily and commercial development, architects, and other state agencies on what this type of policy will look like. As that group finishes up, kind of inform the way that the legislation is working, is looking this year. So I think we are able to bring a larger base of support moving forward this year than we were last year. Great, thank you. So how will Minnesota step code work in cities that already have climate action plans like Rochester or St. Louis Park? So this really gets at um, one of the many pieces that cities have in their climate action plan. So new buildings are one of the lowest hanging fruits in um, reducing our carbon emissions. So it's important that we really put them on a rigorous rigorous standards. So for cities like Rochester or St. Louis Park, the easiest way to get at carbon, future carbon savings is to build buildings right the first time. Got it. Okay. Uh, So what about cities that aren't quite as aggressive on their climate goals? So the really great thing about this policy that is, I believe, an improvement from last year is there is that opportunity to learn. So if cities like St. Louis Park and Rochester step ahead, then communities surrounding who might not have that same experience uh, benefit from the technical expertise coming out of the design and building community. So for example, if St. Louis Park adopts the standard and Golden Valley doesn't, building and design firm that works in both cities would be able to bring that knowledge base to Golden Valley in three years when that becomes a baseline building code. Oh, great. That seems like a win-win for everyone. Thank you. Hello, Kevin, and thank you for being here. Could you take a few minutes to introduce yourself and describe your joint role with Rochester and the DMC? 
Sure. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to be here too. I'm the Energy and Sustainability Director for the City of Rochester, as well as the Destination Medical Center Economic Development Agency. Um, it's a shared position between both organizations, um, and it was created in 2017 to help uh, both the city and the DMC meet its energy and climate-related goals. Um, both organizations have goals that they're working towards, um, and this position provides a leadership in order to help put us on a path, implementing programs, policies, and projects that uh, will help us meet those climate and sustainability targets. Okay, great. Um, that's really helpful context. Maybe we can talk a little bit about Rochester. Uh, the city is undergoing huge change, and I feel like I'm constantly uh, seeing news stories about new construction and renovation happening in downtown and in other business areas around the city. What would a step code mean for Rochester? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, so over the past couple of years, the city of Rochester and the Destination Medical Center have been working on implementing sustainable building policies that are tied to uh, public funding, basically. So with Destination Medical Center projects, any project that requests funding from us fills out an application, and then funding is provided to those projects. Um, uh, one of the hooks for that funding is to implement a number of sustainable design strategies um, into the building itself. So there are energy outcomes that we're seeking, water outcomes, as well as waste. It's very similarly based on a, on the St. Paul sustainable building policy uh, that they've been working on for the past couple of years. Um, then last year, the city of Rochester also adopted a similar sustainable building policy and very similar requirements uh, for buildings that they're providing any tax increment financing to. So all of this, this is a long way to answer your question of what would a step code mean for Rochester? This would help us address buildings that aren't currently receiving any public assistance um, and ensure that uh, sustainable design is incorporated into those private buildings and private developments that are happening across our city and not just in the MC district um, or those projects that are receiving any sort of tax increment financing from the city. So in other words, it'll help us uh, meet our city and DMC sustainability goals by helping us reduce resource consumption um, and apply sustainable building strategies to a set of bills that um, aren't currently privy to those requirements. Got it. Thank you. So how do higher building standards align with the other goals of the Destination Medical Center? Sure. So overall, the, the kind of highest level goals that we have for the Destination Medical Center are to achieve an energy reduction of about um, 30 to 35 percent by the end of the project, which comes in year 2035. Uh, the city of Rochester also has an energy reduction or a greenhouse gas reduction goal that we're aiming towards a 30 percent reduction by 2025 and an 80 percent reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. So higher building standards basically ensure that any new development that would occur within our city between now, like 2020, and whenever the goals uh, or reduction goals would come into effect, 2025, 2035, at the end of the DMC project, or 2050, um, any of those new developments would help us uh, meet our targets. In other words, we'd be accounting for any new construction and ensure that it's as efficient as possible as a way to help reduce any additional emissions impact that might occur as a result of that development in the first place. So it's basically making sure that uh, we're not uh, stabbing ourselves in the foot as we progress and as we develop within our city. Because basically it could be um, 
it could be seen that any new development that's occurring within the city or DMC district would be pushing us in the wrong direction. Um, but by ensuring that any new structure um, has sustainability elements integrated into them and these energy performance elements integrated into their design of the buildings, um, that's basically helping us stop the bleeding. Uh, it makes reaching our targets a pretty ambitious targets that we have more attainable. Okay, I see. So why is having a local option for a more rigorous energy standard important for Rochester, aside from, you know, not wanting to stab yourselves in the foot? Is there anything else you want to add about that? Having a local option for a more rigorous energy standard is important to Rochester for a few reasons. I think first, um, and one that we've kind of already talked about a little bit, is just the aspect of resource conservation. Uh, that sound design for new buildings um, helps conserve resources and ensures um, an energy efficient outcome for those new facilities that are being built in our city. Uh, second, I think it's by implementing an energy standard, we're ensuring that we can put the city and the DMC on a path to meet its you know, pretty ambitious climate and energy goals. Um, without it, we're missing a considerable element of uh, the new construction activity that's happening in our city. Um, and by addressing that through a, an energy standard or the possibility of creating a stretch code, um, that makes meeting those targets more realistic. And finally, there's a third bucket of just equity. Um, a lot of housing developments are occurring within our city, and we know the need for more um, and just range of housing options uh, moving forward as uh, more people move to our city to fill open positions in healthcare and others. Um, having high-performance housing available to people that are moving to our community ensures that they're paying less for rents, um, and ideally we're lo locating these housing developments along uh, transit routes that have a lot of stops and are served frequently by Rochester Public Transit. Um, so there's kind of a lot of reasons why um, providing an energy standard helps our community and not just developers, not just the city of Rochester, DMC to meet its goals, but also starts to hit the pocketbooks of the people that live in our community. Um, and sound energy efficient design helps them save money on utility costs. Got it. Thank you. If planners, leaders, and community members from other cities were to come up to you and have some concerns about this new policy, what would you say to them? Yeah, I think if those groups approach me about concern around this new policy, there's a few things that I'd uh, like to share with them. I, I guess first is in Rochester, we have the benefit of operating under these policies, albeit for projects that receive some kind of public assistance already for a number of years. And what we have seen is that while there is an increase for these projects, typically on the order of a couple of hundred thousand dollars, it's relatively modest when compared to the overall cost of the project in total. Um, to be a little bit more specific, typically projects have an overall project budget around 30 to $40 million. And to integrate some of the energy performance that um, we're interested in that align very closely with what uh, the energy standard is also considering um, is on the order of a couple hundred thousand dollars like I, I referenced before. So we're, we're talking about less than a percentage point of the overall project budget, which is real dollars and those dollars need to be found somewhere. Um, but at the same time, uh, the energy outcomes that we're asking be integrated into these buildings are also providing savings to the owners of these projects as well. So the operating cost of these facilities is less as a result of these energy performance standards being in place. So I'd say first, from a cost perspective, there is an increase, but that increase is modest and also helps provide savings to the developer on the back end. I think second, another opportunity for our community is less energy consumption inherently still means less emissions released locally and also 
um, better environment for us to live in here in the community. Um, we're not um, beholden to the uh, consumption of certain um, energy types like gas. Um, moving ahead, we're not releasing those emissions um, locally and, and having to deal with the air quality issues that are associated with it. So I think there are some environmental benefits that go along with this policy. Um, so overall, I would say that the benefits of this possibility um, outweigh some of the initial hurdles and obstacles. And the experience that we've had over the past couple of years, I think, has um, built my confidence in um, ensuring or asking more of developers as they bring projects forward as it relates to their energy performance Move, uh, moving ahead. So I'm confident that this is a good idea. Um, and really the experience that we've had here over the past two years has helped demonstrate that as well. Thank you, Kevin. That is so helpful to hear. I really appreciate yeah. you being here with us today, taking time, fighting through some of the technology issues that we've had. I'm hoping we can circle back here with Ben and talk about a little bit more about what's happening here at session uh, here and now. So what is the current status of this policy at the legislative session right now? Yeah, so we're currently in the process of finalizing our draft language and turning the results of, of, from the stakeholder process into statutory policy language. We also are continually building our uh, level support. So far, we have 14 cities that have formally pledged support through either a mayoral declaration or a resolution that's passed city council and included in their list of legislative priorities. Oh, that's great news. If all goes well and a step code does pass in session this year, what year could all new commercial construction be net zero? So this bill outlines that new commercial energy construction would reach net zero by 2036. And for cities adopting the advanced standard, that would be uh, down to 2033. All right. So that's about 14 years earlier than the current trajectory that we're on. Uh, that takes a pretty huge bite out of greenhouse gas emissions from construction in Minnesota. So I guess the big question is, uh, if this does pass, would this put pressure on updating the residential building code? So the short answer is we hope so. So one thing that has been going on in the state is that Department of Labor and Industry has not included the residential energy code in their current uh, 2020 building code update. So this would actually need to be added on at a future date. So we're hoping this momentum and support from folks in the governor's office, agencies, and ideally the legislature will help move this process through the agency so we can include the residential update in our energy code as soon as possible. Okay, well, thank you both for your insight, Ben and Kevin. I know a session is only just getting started, so I'm sure we'll have updates over the coming weeks and months on the status of uh, updating the commercial building code to include advanced building performance standards slash step code. Uh, listeners can stay tuned to our blog at fresh-energy.org or follow Fresh Energy on social media for updates. In a week or two, I think we'll have Justin Fay, our government affairs director on, and he'll probably give an update on where we are with step code then. But in the meantime, the website, social media, etc. are a great place to stay up to speed and maybe even one session is done further along i'll have you back on and you can give us a recap of everything that happened in the meantime thank you to everyone for listening and subscribing to our brand new podcast you can support fresh energy's work by making a donation today visit our website at fresh 
dash energy.org and click on donate in the upper right corner.